At the end of his first letter to the Corinthians, Paul challenged the believers to stand firm, to let nothing move them, to always give themselves fully to the work of the Lord. What are three qualities you'll need if you're going to give yourself fully to the work of the Lord for the long haul? That was the subject of a talk I gave recently in Colorado. The main talk is 23 minutes long and is followed by a 10-minute Q&A session. I hope this encourages and challenges you as you seek to give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Some of you I've known for decades. Uh, Some of you I've known for less than two days. Uh, Some of you I've never met. Some of you have been walking with Christ for years. And uh, some of you, maybe you've only been walking Christ for less than a year. So as I thought about what could I share that would hopefully bring encouragement to you, no matter where you are in that journey, 1 Corinthians 15, 58 uh, came to mind. So if you want to, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 15, 58. It's a familiar verse to many of you, I'm sure. But let me just read it for you guys as a reminder. It says, Therefore, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And over the next 30 minutes, I'd I'd like to share with you three ways that you can make sure you're always giving yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. And these, these three ways are actually three qualities that each of us needs to be purposefully cultivating as a follower of Jesus. So three ways, but actually three qualities. But before we go too far down that road, I'd like to spend a little more time here in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight. So this verse is actually an exhortation that comes at the end of a long chapter and towards the end of a pretty long book. In other words, Paul has spent 15 chapters dropping truth on his readers to bring them to this point. So he's, he said a lot of things to bring them to this moment where he's going to give them an exhortation, a call to action, that he wants them to always give themselves fully to the work of the Lord. So the questions are, why should we stand firm? Why should we never be moved? Why should we always give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord? And it's because we have a perspective that comes through faith. You see, we believe in some basic truths that change the way we understand and view the world. So I'm just going to share a few of those basic truths here as we're getting started. And the first is this. The world belongs to God. And He is actively at work among us. I love that story that Joseph shared. Because that's what our faith teaches us. That this world belongs to God and He's actively at work among us. And I agree completely with what Joseph said. That when we're ready to get serious... God is already there. He's already serious. He's already at work and he's going to bring us into that work that he's doing. And so Psalm 24, 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. So life isn't really about us. 
there's a much larger story that God is telling and that he's inviting us to be a part of. So that's, that's truth number one. Truth number two is that this story that God is telling centers around his son, Jesus the Messiah, and he is true north. So if you're going to successfully navigate your life, you're going to have to figure out who Jesus is and then reorient your whole life around him. Otherwise, your orientation is always going to be off. You'll have to figure out who Jesus is, and then you'll have to discover what does it mean to belong to him and to live for him. So that's number two. Number three, what happens in this life is actually a small fraction of what God has planned. The life to come, the age to come, the life beyond death is actually much more significant. In fact, there's no comparison. And if you were to sacrifice everything that you have in this life to better position yourself for the next life, it would be worth it. So that's truth number three, that there is life beyond death that's actually far more significant than what we're experiencing in this world. And number four, even though this life is short, it's very important. It's critical. The, the way you live in this short life that you have matters. And the choices you make in this life matter. It's kind of like getting on a plane to, to travel to some beautiful remote location where you're going to start a new life in paradise. I mean, it would be a great tragedy if you were to miss your flight and never get to that destination. A great tragedy. And most of the world is missing that plane. They're missing the flight, which means they're going to miss out on the destination. But it would also be quite strange if, if you got on that plane and then forgot about the destination and started focusing on the peanuts and the in-flight movie as if that was what the trip was all about. That's not what the trip is all about. And so Paul says, therefore, stand firm. Let nothing move you. In other words, don't get distracted by the peanuts. Don't get caught up in the in-flight movie. Don't allow yourself to think that it's all about getting to that next level of Sudoku. And don't get disheartened by the turbulence that we're going to experience as we're traveling to where God is taking us. Instead, always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. So I have some questions for you guys tonight. The first is, have you come to the realization that the only reason you are here on this earth is to give yourself to the work of the Lord? It's, it's the only reason that you're alive on this earth. Everything else is peanuts and Sudoku. And do you understand that when it comes to the work of the Lord, it's not enough that you get involved. We shouldn't be asking whether or not we're doing enough. We shouldn't be satisfied that we're doing more than most. It's really not about having balance in life. In fact, I hate that phrase. 
You know, people who live a balanced life have never been overwhelmed by a truth greater than themselves. It's not about living a balanced life. It's about always giving yourself fully to the work of the Lord. So with that in mind, I want to give you three ways, three qualities that you can pursue to make sure you're doing that. Three ways to make sure that you're giving yourself fully to the work of the Lord. And I'd like to emphasize these qualities by decade. So we'll start with the 20s, your life in the 20s, your life in your 30s, and your life in your 40s and beyond. Because let's be, let's be serious. After your 40, it's pretty much... No, I'm 45, so uh, I'm there. So we're going to talk about a quality for each decade because I think they actually build on each other. If you do a great job in your 20s, man, you're in a great position for your 30s. But it's no guarantee. You've got to do a great job in your 30s. But if you do that, you're in great position for your 40s and beyond. So that's, that's kind of how I would like to share these three ways, these three qualities. So you're in your 20s. How can you give yourself fully to the work of the Lord? What's the main quality that you should be purposefully cultivating? Intensity. Intensity is the main quality that you should be cultivating in your 20s. Because in your 20s, this is the time to stretch yourself and to develop a radical devotion to Jesus. Your 20s are the perfect time to do that. And in a sense, that's really all you have to offer. I mean, let's be honest. You don't have any experience. You're still crafting your skills. It doesn't mean that you won't be able to make disciples in your 20s. But what I'm saying is the number one thing you have to offer others is the example of your own radical intensity and devotion to Jesus. That's the number one thing that you have to offer to others when you're in your 20s. Your 20s are a time to be recklessly extravagant in your devotion to Jesus. So some of the things that I did in my 20s to cultivate intensity, every career and geographic move that we made in our 20s was based on what would better position us to be fully given over to the work of the Lord. So that's something that you can do. You can make choices about where you live, who you live around, what career you're going to pursue based on what's going to put me in the best position to give myself fully to the work of the Lord. I set a goal to read through the Bible at least once a year, and I came to faith when I was 20 years old. So I came into my 30s having read the Bible 10 times and having that foundation as I moved into my third decade of life. I learned to give generously in my 20s, to, to give sacrificially to those who were in full-time Christian work, who were investing in my wife and I and helping us follow Jesus, but also to, to budget in giving so that we had money available to invite people over to our house for dinner or to take someone out for dinner or 
to give towards an unexpected need that someone had. So giving generously is an area where you can cultivate a radical devotion to Jesus in your 20s. I learned to spend half days and full days alone with God in prayer, which was a great challenge. It's probably even a greater challenge today with cell phones and all the distractions that we have, but that's, that's something that you can do in your 20s. I learned to share my faith, to share the good news about Jesus by, by doing things like 30 days of evangelism, where I would challenge myself to share the good news, to share the gospel message with at least one person every day in that month. And that's, that's something that you could do. Memorizing scripture was an area where I was able to stretch myself in my devotion to Jesus. First through a small pack of memory verse cards, and I learned those. But then I realized that I really didn't know them very well, that it took me a long time to to quote them or to remember them. And so I thought, one day I just decided I'm going to actually learn these verses. And I spent a week just really working on those verses. And, and I had all 60 of those cards. Um, again, like Joseph said, it's just deciding that you're going to do that and then trying to do it. You can do it. And I moved from that to memorizing passages. And then I thought, what if I memorized a book of the Bible? That would be crazy. I didn't know anyone who had a book of the Bible memorized at the time, or at least not that I knew of. And so I selected Jude. I figured that was a legit <laughs> book of the Bible. It was 25 verses. I thought, I can do this. And uh, sure enough, I memorized the 25 verses, and I could quote Jude. And I thought, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. Like, I've got a, a book of the Bible memorized, officially. Uh, and so then I thought, well, it's really not, there's no difference between 25 verses and 872 verses, except time. So my second book that I memorized was the Gospel of John. It took me a year from the time I was 26 to the time I was 27. And I was very mathematical about it. I figured out how many verses are in the book of John, divided that by the number of days in a year, and I thought, if I can memorize a little over three verses a day, I can memorize this book in a year. And passages are easier to memorize than just single verses, so it's, it's doable. But it does take some time. Now, here's the thing. No one was challenging me to do these specific things, uh, nor was I joining someone who, who was doing these things. These were just things that I wanted to see. Could I do these things? Could, could I set a goal in following Jesus? And then could I move out on it? And your 20s is a, great, is a great time to push yourself and to grow in those ways. So if you look around in your 20s and you see someone who is chasing after Jesus with more intensity than you, the question you should ask yourself is why? Why aren't you the most committed disciple of Jesus that you know among the people your age? What's keeping you from being that person who has this, this radical devotion to Jesus? The enemy in your 20s is apathy, indifference, lack of imagination, playing it safe, 
doing only what's expected of you, going along with the crowd, even if it's a Christian crowd, being lukewarm, being involved, but not all in. That's the enemy in your 20s. And so my challenge to you, if if you're in your 20s, go the other direction. Cultivate intensity by pursuing a radical devotion to Jesus. Your 20s is the time to do that. But you're in your 30s. So how can you give yourself fully to the work of the Lord? What's the main quality that you should be cultivating? Focus. Focus is the main quality you need to cultivate in your 30s. Because the reality as you move into your 30s is that your margin for error disappears. You now have a family. You have greater responsibilities at work. But most dangerous of all, you have money and opportunity in your 30s. Almost universally, people in their 30s are in debt. Financial debt and time debt. They don't have time to devote themselves fully to the work of the Lord. They don't even have time to to meet the needs of their family. They don't even have time to keep themselves physically fit. We're crippled by opportunity and we end up overextending ourselves in our 30s. But the hard truth is we're overextended by choice because we refuse to focus our lives around what we claim are our highest values. People in the 30s believe that because they can chase it all, maybe they can have it all. And you're able to chase a lot of things in your 30s. So in your 20s, you need to push yourself to learn how to say yes in radical ways so that you can chase after Christ. In your 30s, you have to learn how to say no to a lot of things so that you can focus the time that you do have and continue to chase after Christ. The greatest threat to the devotion of the American Christian is not the devil. It's the American dream. The enemy in your 30s is distraction. It's covetousness. It's envy. It's misplaced ambition. So if you're in your 30s, go in the other direction. Cultivate focus. Purposefully limit your activity and be ruthless in managing your time so that you can give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. If you don't do that, you're lost. If you don't focus yourself in the 30s, it's over. And uh, let's be honest, the 30s are brutal. Very few people come through their 30s who are still fully giving themselves to the work of the Lord. But hey, you're one of the few. You're in your 40s, maybe even further along. So what's the main quality that you should be cultivating? Perseverance. Perseverance is that third quality that you need to cultivate so that you can continue to give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Because 
By the time you get into your 40s, you've been there and you've done that. You understand the odds that are stacked against you and the work that you've chosen to give your life to. One way that I would describe this life of following Jesus and making disciples is it's the impossible mission. It's the impossible mission, right? Because Jesus, they want to ask Jesus, who can be saved? And what did Jesus say? With men, this is impossible. In other words, no one. Uh, with men, this is impossible, but not with God. Uh, with God, all things are possible. But by the time you get to your 40s, you realize that the odds are very much stacked against having success in making disciples. It, it's, it's a challenging life. But maybe you've had some success. Even that can be something that tempts you to throttle back because you develop the mindset that you went hard in your 20s. You stayed focused in your 30s and God has used you. And now it's time for the next generation to really step forward and take the baton. Now's the time for you to give yourself partly to the work of the Lord so that you can relax a little and live a good life. You spent 20 years giving yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Wouldn't it be okay if you partly gave yourself we don't have these actual conversations, but subconsciously we're having these conversations in your 40s. The enemy in your 40s is fatigue, discouragement, bitterness, takes out a lot of people in their 40s, or maybe in the other direction, self-satisfaction and complacency. So go in the other direction and cultivate perseverance. The odds are you have another 30 or 40 years of life ahead of you. So make the most of them. It is not time to enroll yourself in the retirement home when it comes to the kingdom of God. You are still on the plane. You have not yet reached the destination. And the Lord still has work for you to do. And the joy is going to be in the journey. So let me finish by asking a few questions. Where do you find yourself today? Do you have a God perspective on what this life is all about? Or have you gotten distracted along the way? And based on where you're at in life, what quality do you need to purposely cultivate so that you can give yourself fully to the work of the Lord? And the good news is your life is in your hands. Whatever change you need to make today, you can make. In that sense, you are the captain of your own ship, the master of your own destiny. When you leave here tonight, the choices you make are your choices. And just like we said before, they matter. If, if you're here on this earth right now, it's because God isn't finished with you. God still has work for you to do. So stand firm, let nothing move you, and always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. So... Chris, I don't know if you wanted to uh, do some questions. I know we're a little behind schedule and we're eating dinner, so what do you think? We can take uh, a couple minutes, do a couple of questions, and then, then I can wrap this up, and then we'll eat, and then we can hang out for some more fellowship and questions. Maybe about two or three questions. I got one. Yeah. Um, do you have anything to offer for people who maybe are like in their late 20s, late 30s, late 40s, who didn't do any of those things <laughs> like you said? Well, it's going to be harder for you, for sure, um, because those weren't blank years. You know, there are uh, habits, 
there are um, consequences that you're living with, you know, based on not having those those opportunities or making those choices in your 20s and your 30s. But it's it's doable. You might have to come at it with that much more determination and uh, focus because it will be a harder road. That's why I mean, in, in your 20s, you have so much time. I mean, anytime someone in their 20s tells me that they're too busy, it's, it's so ridiculous, but they can't see it. They, they're busier than they've ever been. So, so they think that they're busy. But the reality is you'll never have more time than you do right now. If you're in your 20s, you have more time right now to, to follow Jesus than at any time in the future. And so if you're not doing it now, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen in your 30s and your 40s unless you get really radical. But I do think it's possible. I just think it's going to be that much more of a commitment on your part. And you might have to make some, some bigger swings to bring your life back in order and uh, to reorient around Christ. It's doable. You know, Paul in Philippians 1, 21 and 22, Paul said, For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Most of us have probably heard that verse. But verse 22, not as many people are familiar with, Paul says, If I am to remain on in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. And so Paul had this mindset that if he was breathing and living life on this earth, it was only because there was fruitful labor that, that the Lord had in store for him. So I would say if you're here, even if you're in that situation, that there is a path that the Lord has for you. So go for it. Yes, uh, that's a great question. Uh, <laughs> say no a lot, man. Say no nine times to every one yes that you give. Um, and this is, for me, this is things like hobbies. Um, I, I drive a car that's 25 years old. I don't know how many miles it has. The odometer stopped working. Um, I could afford a newer car, but I don't need a newer car. And so just, just learn how to say no to the opportunities that are going to come your way. Because again, that's the great danger in your 30s is you have money, you have opportunity, and you're able to chase it all, but you will never have it all. And you may lose the thing that's, that's most important. So um, I think really, really narrowing the activities that you give yourself to. I was never the head coach for any of my kids' little league teams. I, I would be the assistant coach, but I, I just, for me, I did not want to take on the time and the responsibility of being the head coach. Um, I wanted to be involved. I wanted to be there with my kids. So I didn't want to be an absentee parent. But there are lots of things that you can do to not overextend yourself. What are some of the best practices for yes? For what? What are the best yeses? Um, I think the best yeses for me in my 30s was uh, committing to relationships with, with folks that shared my values with people that, that really wanted to follow Jesus and wanted to make disciples, you know, making those relationships a priority, even if it meant that um, I had less time to spend 
with uh, people that maybe I enjoyed their company. We had a lot of fun and a lot of laughs. Um, even with my family, I, with my extended family, we spent probably less time with our extended family than we would have otherwise. Um, again, like we came out at Christmas, we came out at Thanksgiving when we could. But yeah, focusing on the relationships, I say one thing. One last question if someone decides to uh, ask a question. She said balance is, is uh, like a negative. Not negative, you said balance is like you three. It's not about balancing life, it's about always giving yourself full into the door. So I think there's going to be a lot of different perspectives on what that looks like. Yeah, so definitely. Say how we would reflect on that. Yeah, well, the, the main thing I want to make with that point is that you're going to hear that message from a lot of different places, including the church, that you're going to get this message that, hey, don't overdo it, don't be too extreme, don't be legalistic. Um, but that is, uh, that is bad advice. Um, be, be all in, you know, be extreme in your devotion to Jesus. Just make sure you're extreme for the right thing. But, um, Revelation talks about th- that books are being recorded, right? Have you, are you guys familiar with this in Revelation 20? Uh, there's a book, this, this, this major book called the Book of Life, the Lamb's Book of Life. And it's basically a registry. If your name is in that book, then you're going to be allowed entrance into the kingdom of God. But there's actually a, a lot of other books in the library of heaven. And uh, who knows what is in those books? Anyone remember? What's that? No. When you get judged, they're going to go to a certain book. They're going to pull that book off the shelf. They're going to open it up and you're going to be judged because your life is being recorded. A biography of your life is being written right now that you'll one day get to uh, see what's in there. Uh, Not in the Library of Congress, in the Library of Heaven. And think about the the biographies that that you've read that, that you were really inspired by. It was never someone living a balanced life. You know, it was someone who was overwhelmed by a passion that took over their life and that they, they put everything into in this passion. And for us, it's Jesus. That's why he said all authority has been given to him. So he's therefore we deserve to obey everything that he taught. And so he, he is the thing that you should go out of balance for. He's the one that you should go out of balance for. But uh, don't, don't hold back. Like, try to find some, try to find, um, hopefully people are looking at your life and thinking that they're a little concerned about you. Like, like people in the church are a little concerned that maybe you're taking this, this Jesus thing too far. You're taking it too serious. Um, that's, that's not a bad thing. So, but yeah, you'll have to figure it out. Like, what are those goals you want to set for yourself? Yeah. So, with, with your suggestions for, for what to focus on and everything, I definitely agree. No. However, are you claiming this as a universality or as a generalization? Because I know plenty of people who are in their 20s who are way more busy than yeah, you're claiming. Yeah, true, true. So, myself included. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> I've man. Got, I've got... 
26 families that I have to take care of. Yeah. I'm only 10. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, I understand what you're saying, but at the same time, it, it seems like, you know, and, and I could be wrong, that you're saying you kind of have to wait till your 30s. And no, no, definitely not. Do anything. No, and, no. Okay. No, definitely. Um, these are, are generalized truths just based on my own experience, based on observing people. Uh, over the past 25 years of, of actively trying to follow Christ and help other people follow Christ, that what I think is is the the bottleneck for most people in their 20s is intensity. They just don't have it. You know, they they consider themselves Christians. Maybe they're even involved, but they're not all in. And then in your 30s, I, I do think it's focused. Life just has a way of getting you know, really busy. And you may already be there at uh, 26, 27, however old you are, um, maybe younger even, but wh wherever you are, like you've got to figure out your reality and navigate that. It, it may be that you have to learn some focus too. Thanks for listening to the podcast. You can help us reach more people by going to iTunes, subscribing, and leaving a review. And if you like what we're doing here, tell a friend about us. In an age of social media, word of mouth is still the most powerful way to spread the message.